The Second Mansion, Only Chapter. The Interior Castles are the Mansions by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording, read by Chris McGregor. The Interior Castle, or the Mansions by St. Teresa of Avila, translated by the Benedictines of Stanbrook. Now let us consider which are the souls that enter the second mansions, and what they do there. I do not wish to enlarge on this subject, having already treated it very fully elsewhere, for I could not avoid repeating myself, as my memory is very bad. If I could state my ideas in another form, they would not worry you, for we never tire of reading books on this subject, numerous as they are. In this part of the castle are found souls which have begun to practice prayer. They realize the importance of their not remaining in the first mansions, yet often lack determination to quit their present condition by avoiding occasions of sin, which is a very perilous state to be in. However, it is a great grace that they should sometimes make good their escape from the vipers and poisonous creatures around them and should understand the need of avoiding them. In some way, these souls suffer a great deal more than those in the first mansions, although not in such danger as they begin to understand their peril and there are great hopes of their entering farther into the castle. I say that they suffer a great deal more, for those in an earlier stage are like deaf-mutes and are not so distressed at being unable to speak, while the others, who can hear but cannot talk, find it much harder. At the same time, it is better not to be deaf and a decided advantage to hear what is said to us. These souls hear our Lord calling them, for as they approach nearer to where His Majesty dwells, He proves a loving neighbor, though they may still be engaged in some of the amusements and business, the pleasures and vanities of this world. While in this state, we continually fall into sin and rise again, for the creatures amongst us whom we dwell are so venomous, so vicious, and so dangerous that it is impossible to avoid being tripped up by them. Yet such are the pity and compassion of this Lord of ours, so desirous is he that we should seek him and enjoy his company, that in one way or another he never ceases calling us to him. So sweet is his voice that the poor soul is disconsolate at being unable to follow his bidding at once, and therefore, as I said, suffers more than if he could not hear him. I do not mean that divine communications and inspirations received in this mansion are the same as those I shall describe later on. God hears and speaks through words uttered by pious people, by sermons or good books, and in many other such ways. Sometimes, he calls souls by means of sickness or troubles, or by some truth he teaches them during prayer, for tepid as they may be in seeking him, yet God holds them very dear. Do not think lightly, sisters, of this first grace, nor be downcast if you have not responded immediately to our Lord's voice, for his majesty is willing to wait for us many a day and even many a year especially when he sees perseverance and good desires in our hearts. Perseverance is the first essential. With this, we are sure to profit greatly. However, the devils now fiercely assault the soul in a thousand different ways. It suffers more than ever, because formerly it was mute and deaf, 
or at least could hear very little and offered but feeble resistance like one who has almost lost all hope of victory here however the understanding being more vigilant and the powers more on the alert we cannot avoid hearing the fighting and cannonading around us for now the devil set on us the reptiles that is to say thoughts about the world and its joys which they picture as unending they remind us of the high esteem men held us in of our friends and relations they tell us how the penances which souls in this mansion always begin to wish to perform would injure our health in fine the evil spirits place a thousand impediments in the way oh jesus what turmoil the devil's cause in the poor soul how unhappy it feels not knowing whether to go forward or to return to the first mansion on the other hand reason shows that the delusion of overrating worldly things while faith teaches what alone can satisfy its cravings memory reminds the soul how all earthly joys end recalling the death of those who lived at ease how some died suddenly and were soon forgotten how others once so prosperous are now buried beneath the ground and men pass by their graves where they lay the prey of worms while the mind recalls many other such instances the will inclines to love our lord and longs to make some return to him who is so amiable and who has given so many proofs of his love especially by his constant presence with the soul which this faithful lover never quits ever accompanying it and giving it life and being the understanding aids by showing that however many years life might last no one could ever wish for a better friend than god that the world is full of falsehood and that the worldly pleasures pictured by the devils to the mind were but troubles and cares and annoyances in disguise reason convinces the soul that as outside its interior castle are found neither peace nor security it should cease to seek another home abroad its own being full of riches that it can enjoy at will besides it is not everyone who like itself possesses all he needs within his own dwelling and above all such a host will give it all it desires unless like the prodigal son it chooses to go astray and feed with the swine surely these arguments are strong enough to defeat the devil's wiles but oh my god how the force of worldly habits and the example of others who practice them ruin everything our faith is so dead that we trust less to its teaching than to what is visible we see that worldly lives bring nothing but unhappiness all this results from those venomous thoughts i described which unless we are very careful will deform the soul as the sting of a viper poisons and swells the body when this happens great care is evidently needed to cure it and only god's single mercy prevents its resulting in death indeed the soul passes through severe trials at this time especially when the devil perceives from a person's character and behavior that she is likely to make very great progress for then all hell will league together to force her to turn back oh my lord 
What need there is here that by thy mercy thou shouldest prevent the soul from being deluded into forsaking the good begun? Enlighten it, to see that its welfare consists in perseverance in the right way and in the withdrawing from bad company. It is of the utmost importance for the beginner to associate with those who lead a spiritual life, and not only with those in the same mansion as herself, but with others who have traveled farther into the castle, who will aid her greatly and draw her to join them. The soul should firmly resolve never to submit to defeat. For if the devil sees it staunchly determined to lose life and comfort and all that he can offer, rather than return to the first mansion, he will sooner leave it alone. Let the Christian be valiant. Let him not be like those who lay down to drink from the brook when they went to battle. I do not remember when. Let him resolve to go forth to combat the host of demons and be convinced that there is no better weapon than the cross. I have already said, yet it is of such importance that I repeat it here. Let no one think on starting of the reward to be reaped. This would be a very ignoble way of commencing such a large and stately building. If built on sand, it would soon fall down. Souls who acted thus would continually suffer from discouragement and temptations, for in these mansions no manna reigns. Farther on, the soul is pleased with all that comes, because it desires nothing but what God wills. What a farce it is! Here we are with a thousand obstacles, drawbacks, imperfections within ourselves, our virtues so newly born that they have scarcely the strength to act, and God grant they exist at all. Yet we are not ashamed to expect sweetness in prayer and to complain of feeling dryness. Do not act thus, sisters. Embrace the cross your spouse bore on his shoulders. Know that your motto should be, Most happy she who suffers, if it be for Christ. All else should be looked upon as secondary. If our Lord give it you, render him grateful thanks. You may imagine you would be resolute in enduring external trials if God gave you interior consolations. His majesty knows best what is good for us. It is not for us to advise him how to treat us, for he has the right to tell us that we know not what we ask. Remember, it is of the greatest importance. The sole aim of one beginning to practice prayer should be to endure trials and to resolve and strive to the utmost of her power to conform her own will to the will of God. Be certain that in this consists all the greatest perfection to be attained in the spiritual life, as I will explain later. She who practices this most perfectly will receive from God the highest reward and is the farthest advanced on the right road. Do not imagine that we have need of a Kabbalistic formula or any other occult or mysterious thing to attain it. Our whole welfare consists in doing the will of God. If we start with the false principle of wishing God to follow our will and to lead us in the way we think best, upon what firm foundation can this spiritual edifice rest? Let us endeavor to do our best. Beware of the poisonous reptiles, that is to say, the bad thoughts and heredities which are often permitted by God to assail and torment us so that we cannot repel them. 
Indeed, perchance we feel their sting. He allows this to teach us to be more on our guard in the future and to see whether we grieve much at offending him. Therefore, if you occasionally lapse into sin, do not lose heart and cease trying to advance. For God will draw good even out of our falls, like the merchant who sells theriac, who first takes poison, then the theriac, to prove the power of his elixir. This combat would suffice to teach us to amend our habits if we realized our failings in no other way, and would show us the injury we receive from a life of dispiation. Can any evil be greater than what we find at home? What peace can we hope to find elsewhere if we have none within us? What friends or kindred can be so close and intimate as the powers of our soul, which, whether we will or no, must ever bear us company? They seem to wage war on us, as if they knew the harm our vices had wrought them. Peace. Peace be unto you, my sisters, as our Lord said, and many times proclaimed to his apostles. Believe me, if we neither possess nor strive to obtain this peace at home, we shall never find it abroad. By the blood which our Lord shed for us, I implore those who have not begun to enter into themselves to stop this warfare. I beg those already started in the right path not to let the combat turn them back from it. Let them reflect that a relapse is worse than a fall and see what ruin it would bring. They should confide in God's mercy, trusting nothing in themselves. Then they will see how His Majesty will lead them from one mansion to another and will set them in a place where these wild beasts can no more touch or annoy them, but will be entirely at their mercy and merely objects of ridicule. Then, even in this life, they will enjoy a far greater happiness than they are able even to desire. As I have said at the beginning of this work, I have explained elsewhere how you should behave when the devils thus disturbs you. I also told you that the habit of recollection is not to be gained by force of arms, but with calmness, which will enable you to practice it for a longer space of time. I will say no more now, except that I think it very helpful for those of you who are beginners to consult persons experienced in such matters, lest you imagine that you are injuring yourselves by leaving your prayer to perform any unnecessary duties. This is not the case. Our Lord will direct such things to our profit, although we may have no one to console us. The only remedy for having given up a habit of recollection is to recommence it, Otherwise, the soul will continue to lose it more and more every day, and God grant it may realize its danger. You may think that if it is so very injurious to desist, it would have been better never to have begun and to have remained outside the castle. But as I began by saying, and as God himself declares, he that loves danger shall perish by it. And the door by which we must enter this castle is prayer. Remember, we must get to heaven, and it would be madness to think that we could do so without sometimes retiring into our souls so as to know ourselves, or of thinking of our failings and of what we owe to God, or frequently imploring His mercy. Our Lord also says 
no man cometh to the Father but by me. I'm not sure whether this quotation is correct, but I think so. And he that seeth me seeth the Father also. If we never look up at him and reflect on what we owe him for having died for us, I do not understand how we can know him or perform the good deeds in his service. What value is there in faith without works, and what are they worth if they are not united to the merits of Jesus Christ, our only good? What would incite us to love our Lord unless we thought of him? May he give us grace to understand how much we cost him, that the servant is not above his Lord, and that we must toil for him if we would enjoy his glory. And prayer is a necessity to prevent us from constantly falling into temptation.